is AEW successful? Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long-term booking. Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off The Script. This is your Monday Night Raw post-show for September 12th, 2022. I am your host, JD, from New York, as always. Coming to you live from the OTS Beer Garden. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on your Monday evenings, wherever you may be. We got a couple of things I want to say before we get into the show tonight couple of things I want to get into before we talk about what I thought was a solid Monday Night Raw. Got a text from Jesse. Everybody knows Jesse. He's my co-host on Wednesday nights, the Chi-Town Smart. He texted me right before we went live. I'm just going to read his text to you guys. He said it was okay to, uh, to pretty much say what was going on. Obviously, I said this on last night's show. His nephew passed away this weekend, and he's been dealing with with a very difficult situation in regards to that. Very difficult week in general for Jesse and the family, and I want to send him again my my loving thoughts and prayers, and we love Jesse. But Jesse's been in the hospital all day today, and uh, Jesse said this, and I quote, I was in surgery for almost eight hours due to some issues, but all is well, I'm okay. Despite the obvious pain and discomfort, it literally took me 30 minutes just to write this text going to get some sleep. Please tell everyone that I will not be doing my watch-alongs this week at all, and go ahead and tell them that I do indeed have Crohn's disease, and I've been dealing with it for over 20 years. I'm fine. I will be back when I'm back to full health. In the meantime, I'm appointing you as the interim. Bro, listen, man. We don't need any more interims, bro, okay? We don't need any more interims. I'll gladly take this interim, but next time, listen, bro, just keep your championship, all right? I'm appointing you as interim Chi-Town Smart. Much love to the OTS family. P.S. I saw all the tweets. Thank you all. Sorry for not responding. It's been extremely rough this week for me, but I'll be okay thanks to the rest of my family and friends. So, uh, and obviously his wife, Kristen. So, Uh, that's that. I just wanted to get that out there for you guys. So, uh, I'm telling you right now, I want everybody like a fucking circle mosh pit at a fucking Exodus concert. Okay. I want you guys to go over to Jesse and I want you to go mosh pit his fucking Twitter wall. And I want you to leave him some loving thoughts and prayers and well wishes because he certainly deserves it. We love Jesse. He'll be back when he's back. I'll be flying solo this week and I'll keep you guys updated on his situation regarding that. So get well, brother. We love you. Another thing that happened tonight, man, I don't listen to the genre of rap music, but I came across some very disturbing videos and and some just disgusting shit online. I I saw this online tonight and it really, it really just kind of shocked me. And it, it's so it, it's so fucking stupid. 
that we live in a world that we live in, man, with just carelessness and no, no real cherish of life. Nobody cherishes the fucking life we have here. Now, I, I never heard one song from him. What PNB Rock, I believe his name is. Fucking poor guy, 30 years old, shot dead, taking his girlfriend out to lunch at some chicken joint in Los Angeles, shot dead in the restaurant. That's how easy it is. That, that's how easy it is. I looked at this shit. I'm like, I'm, I was mortified about what the fuck I saw on Twitter. I mean, you know, fuck those people. But it, it's amazing, man. You know, normally I, normally I go food shopping on Tuesday. I usually save Tuesday as my day. I feel like that's the day where it's least busy in the supermarket, in my area. I go. It's crazy how that's all it takes, man. You go out and you do the most fundamental things. You go out and do some of the most normal things that you do on an every week basis. And it could just end like that. Honestly, I want you guys and, and, and me, you know, it just puts it, it, it puts it into perspective, to be honest with you. You know, and Jesse as well. God, you know, God, thank, thank God for his health. And he's going to be home safe and sound. He's going to be on the road to recovery. But even if you go to the fucking deli up the street to go buy a goddamn fucking Gatorade, you know, cherish the fact that you made it home alive. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, a lot of people don't think about it. You go out to do the everyday fucking shit, and then before you know it, it's over. So cherish what you got and cherish every single day you make it home alive, no matter where you're going. This is very much why I stay to myself. This is very much why I, I am basically a homebody. I don't really go anywhere unless, you know, it really is exciting to me. And it sucks. It really does suck. So, you know, thoughts and prayers out to everybody that was a fan of his music and, you know, his friends and family. That, that's just pathetic, man. It's just ridiculous. Anyway, after all the somber shit, let's talk about some pro wrestling. Let me take a sip of my cold beverage, man. I feel like I'm going to need it. Monday Night Raw tonight. Solid show. Solid show. I thought Triple H did a very admirable job going up against the first big Monday Night football game of the entire NFL season. One of my questions was, and I posted this on Twitter, how was Triple H going to combat Monday Night football? Is he going to roll over and die? Like Vince McMahon did. When Vince McMahon was running Monday Night Raw, there wasn't really any urgency in the WWE writing team to get something out there for Monday Night Raw that really had some substance. He never really gave a shit about the show during Monday Night Football season. He basically sat there and said, you know what, fuck it. Nobody's going to watch. I don't give a shit. And that's the attitude that really presented itself on Monday night. It was an I don't give a shit type of show. Triple H did not do that, which I'm happy to see tonight. He very much gave a shit. He very much continued to build stories going into Extreme Rules. We got a setup for next week's show where he's lining matches up a week in advance, getting you excited about what's going on with what happened tonight that leads into next week's show. Brilliant stuff. It's not really brilliant stuff, but if you're comparing Vince McMahon and 
Triple H, it is brilliant stuff because Vince never did half of that shit. Vince never did any of that shit, really. I thought he did an admirable job. Triple H did not roll over and die. Triple H gave you a solid show. Kevin Owens, probably the highlight of Monday Night Raw every single week. Sounds like Triple H is giving Kevin Owens a blank slate to go out there and pretty much do what he wants to do. And that's great. And you could just feel that when it is time, Kevin Owens is going to get his time at the top on Monday Night Raw. Triple H is letting you know he's reminding you that do not sleep on Kevin Owens. And the reactions are being heard and he knows it. Kevin Owens is over. Not saying he should be the guy to take down Roman Reigns, but if Cody is going to win a title and Cody is going to win the WWE Championship at some point in 2023, Kevin Owens is going to be lined up as a guy to take on Cody Rhodes. And that is fucking exciting. It really is. That was one of KO's best promos all year. Excellent stuff there against Austin Theory. And I love the back and forth between those two. Excellent stuff. The tag team championships in the women's division don't mean jack shit. Match after match after match after match, it doesn't really resonate with me personally. I'm sure it doesn't resonate with you guys either. The tag team division, the tag team titles are fucking worthless. I've said this for several years now. Worthless and the tournament prove that. The tournament's champions prove that. Remember when everybody got on my case because Baron Corbin tweeted at me, oh, JD's going to be complaining about this in his basement apartment in New York City. Who ended up being right, the pro wrestler or me? I ended up being right. And I wasn't the only one that complained about the outcome of that tournament match. Now we follow this week and the happenings of this week and we look at the champions being crowned tonight in EO and Dakota, and I ask Baron Corbin, and I ask everybody that got in his comment section on Twitter, I ask you all, what was the fucking point of that match three weeks ago? Now that we got EO and Dakota to win the tag team championships. Why wasn't this decision made three weeks ago? What was the point? What was the point to give Aaliyah who obviously is a dreadful professional wrestler. And Raquel Gonzalez, the tag team championships, for what? For what? Only to give them right back to the winners that should have won, rightfully, the tag team title tournament three weeks ago in EO and Dakota. I don't know. JD was right. Once again, Seems like a common theme all year. Nobody believes me, but here I am preaching to everybody. And I'm like fucking God. I'm like fucking the soothsayer, man. You come to me and you line up. And I give you the word. And it is the word. I have spoken. When I'm wrong, it's hardly wrong. Very rarely am I wrong. But when something like this happens, you know I got to sit on my fucking high horse and brag to everybody that I was right and you were wrong. And next time, here's a fucking tip. It's free. Shut the fuck up. Don't question me ever again. I wasn't the only one that complained about fucking Aaliyah and and, and Raquel (laughs) Gonzalez to win the goddamn tag team titles. Literally every other fucking pro wrestling podcast 
fan-made and professional, complained about the fucking outcome of that tag team title tournament. But yet, I live in a basement apartment. If you only knew where I am and where I'm living. Sure thing. Give me a fucking break. Edge. Edge and Dominic Mysterio. I'm loving what Triple H is doing with the Judgment Day. Much more interesting than what Vince McMahon was doing. Vince McMahon was going to make them all spooky. Vince McMahon was going to make them all paranormal and fucking supernatural and whatever. Ooh, you know, he was going to make them all spooky. Oh, my God, Judgment Day, fireballs and purple lighting and all this other shit. They may deny that, but that's exactly where it was going. I'm liking what Triple H is doing with Judgment Day. I think he's doing a great job. Finn Balor is great. Obviously, Finn is a Triple H guy, right? So we got Finn. We got Damian Priest. His promo work has been exceptional as of late. Rhea Ripley's fucking fit into this role beautifully in the Triple H administration. Even Dominic Mysterio, you know, still a little rough around the edges. Still a little rough around the edges is Dominic. That promo was a little, you know, hmm. Could use some work there, but uh, when you got Rhea Ripley whispering in your ear about your manhood, I love the way WWE is just lobbing it up there like a fucking, uh, like a John Stockton layup, you know, that Rhea Ripley basically took Dominic's virginity without actually saying Rhea Ripley took Dominic's virginity. You gotta love it. You gotta love it. I think it's great. And seemingly they wrote Edge off TV this week again. For whatever reason. I don't know. Maybe he emerges next week with, or not next week, but, you know, whenever they come together again and we get another match, maybe the next match involves Edge's wife, Beth Phoenix. So we'll see what happens there. And Seth Rollins, he wants championship gold. Unfortunately, it will not be against Roman Reigns. I don't know who's going to take down Roman Reigns. Apparently, there was a report earlier in the afternoon from... uh, I don't know if it was uh, Give Me Sport, BT Sport, one of these UK geek online sites saying that WWE has no plans to take any of the titles off Roman Reigns and they want Roman going into WrestleMania with the titles against The Rock. I don't know why Roman Reigns needs the fucking titles to go one-on-one with The Rock at WrestleMania. The match doesn't need the fucking championships. Seriously. But maybe. Maybe. I'll leave it open. I want to discuss this sometime during the week in an extra. Maybe Cody Rhodes wins the Royal Rumble and The Rock presents himself on TV and automatically sets himself up in a match against Roman for both championships. Maybe we get a situation where Cody Rhodes wins the Royal Rumble and challenges Roman on night one of WrestleMania and wins the WWE Championship on Saturday night. And then he beats The Rock on Sunday night, still retaining the Universal Championship. It's a possibility. It's a possibility. Now, I would take that. I don't mind that. If we get two matches out of Roman, if we get both of those matches to happen, great. But I hope WWE takes that WWE title and puts it back on Monday Night Raw. Because right now, Bobby Lashley is the man. And Seth Rollins, unfortunately, like I said, will not be challenging Roman Reigns at any juncture. Instead, he's going after Bobby Lashley in the United States Championship. So we will talk about that on tonight's show as well. And I want to thank everybody for joining me on this Monday night. 
for your Monday Night Raw post show. Guys, a tremendous week. A tremendous, tremendous week. Thank you guys so much for all the support. You single-handedly made last week the biggest week in the history of this podcast. In every aspect. Thank you. Let's do it again. Hit that thumbs up. We got 2,700 people in the chat tonight. And I only see 622 likes. I'm going to need everybody. Here's a question for you. Here's a question for you. If you wish you were the one who Rhea Ripley was whispering to in your ear, hit that thumbs up. I need a thousand likes minimum on today's OTS. Super chats are open. Get them on in. We'll hang out with our cold beverages at the end of the show. And you guys can ask me anything you want, man. Line is yours. Hit that join button. Become a channel member. VIP right here on Off The Script. You guys are going to get access to all the current emotes and all the current badges. Plus, you guys are going to get seven new badges in just a few weeks with two new, or seven new emotes, rather, and two new badges. All that's coming in the next few weeks. Can't wait to unveil that stuff for you guys, so hit that join button if you guys want to be a part of this OTS family. VIP-only Sundays for the podcast. We'll do it again on Sunday for episode... 434. We had almost 3,800 people for last night's show. Go check that out, man. Should Tony Khan fire CM Punk? Very, very good discussion. Go check that out. And anything else that you might have missed last week during the chaos that was AEW's embarrassing week with CM Punk and the Elite and Tony Khan. Go check all that stuff out. And make sure you guys go hit up my sponsor for tonight's show, man, Manscaped. Manscaped.com. You guys are going to use that code SCRIPT20 to save 20% off and get some free shipping as well. Manscaped.com. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming. And we will go over my friends over at Manscaped a little bit later on in the show. Let's start at the top, man. Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Raw. I enjoyed tonight's show. No, I did not watch the football game. Seth Rollins. We started off with Seth Rollins on Monday night. Never a bad thing. Rollins, incredibly over on WWE television. This guy's got people singing his theme song, people singing him to the ring. Great thing. He made his way to the ring. And... He jogged around the ring a little bit, welcomed everybody to Monday Night Raw. Seth asked the fans if they believed in karma. I believe in karma. I do. I very much believe in karma. There are people out there that I know personally that have suffered karma, and I laughed my ass off because they did me dirty. Ha, 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 ha. You get what's coming to you, bitch. You get what's coming to you, man. I don't feel fucking sorry for you one bit. You know, good people, good things. Bad people, bad things. He said the universe was in perfect harmony at Clash when he stomped Riddle and beat him. He said Riddle challenged him to a rematch, but he's not interested in that. Fans then chanted, rematch, rematch. He goes he goes OTS, he goes off the script and says, no, I just told you I'm not giving him the rematch. I'm not interested in it. Shut up. Seth tried to shift, saying he's been way too long without a world championship. And then all of a sudden, 
Riddle's music interrupted him. Riddle walked out, basically said, bro, threw his hat down, dropped the microphone, ran to the ring, and they brawled. Riddle dumped Seth over the top rope. Seth bashed Riddle's head into the barricade and threw him into the crowd. They fled into the crowd. Riddle pursued him. They brawled amongst the fans, and Riddle got the better of Seth, returned to ringside. All of a sudden, Judgment Day's music hits. They go through the whole full entrance. This was very unexpected. Nobody expected Judgment Day to be out there in a segment when Seth Rollins and Matt Riddle are feuding. So Rollins runs away. He's gone. Riddle is standing there all by himself. So Balor, Rhea Ripley, and Damian Priest are out there as Judgment Day. Balor told Riddle to chill. He said, they're his friends. Priest said they share a lot in common because they were superstars on the rise, but something or someone would hold them back. We're here to change that for you, said Damian Priest. Balor said he surely noticed how much Dominic Mysterio has grown since joining Judgment Day. He told Riddle that they're his problem solvers. Priest claimed fans wanted him to join. Riddle said they go way back, but my focus is on Seth. So his answer is no, bro. No, bro. Balor told Riddle the rules are a little bit more relaxed in Portland, so maybe that's why his brain is a little cloudy. Oh, yes, thank you, Finn. We know Matt Riddle smokes weed. Great. It's a Bruce Prichard innuendo there. Great. You either stand with us or you stand in our way, Balor said. Riddle gave Balor a jumping knee, clotheslined Priest over the top rope, and that's the opening segment. So we shifted from Rollin and Rollins at Rollin, Rollins and Riddle to Riddle and Judgment Day, and right into a match with Matt Riddle and Finn Balor, which was not bad at all. This is basically giving me NXT black and gold vibes. I thought this was great. They work very well together. So we go to commercial break. We're back from commercial break, and we get these two in the ring with a match. Balor was in control, and he remained in control because Damian Priest was on the outside distracting Matt Riddle any way he could. Balor hit a headlock elbow drop onto the ring apron. Riddle came back with a fisherman's suplex, a pele kick, some forearms, an exploder suplex, a punk kick, springboard dive. He also took out Damian Priest with the dive. Riddle went to the top. He might have been going for floating bro, but Priest distracted him again, which allowed Balor to hit another headlock elbow drop. All of a sudden, Rey Mysterio comes out of nowhere and attacks Priest. He came from the crowd. He attacked Priest. Riddle followed up with a bro to sleep and a German suplex on Balor for a near fall. Great spot. Riddle tried a floating bro, which I believe he was going for earlier, but Balor got his knees up and followed with a shotgun dropkick. Riddle then avoided a coup de grace, hit the Orton draping DDT. Riddle set up for the RK bro, but there was another distraction. This time, it was by Rollins. Riddle tried going after him, but Balor caught Riddle with an inverted DDT. I believe that was the 1916. And then he finished him off with a devastating coup de grace right to the heart. One, two, three. And Balor wins over Matt Riddle. After the match was over, Rollins stomped Riddle 
and basically added insults to injury, which was inevitably going to happen because it looks like they are on a collision course at some point to get a rematch in. Whether that happens in Saudi, whether that happens at Extreme Rules, it would make sense if it's in Philadelphia. I don't know. So we will see what happens. But I did enjoy the match between Balor and Riddle. I enjoyed that they continued to build. You know you're going to get a rematch. Even though Rollins doesn't want it, that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. I enjoyed the match. I enjoyed the fact that they continued to build Rollins and Riddle whenever it may happen again. I don't know. And I like the fact that they potentially set up Riddle's next feud. Now, Edge was written off television, it looked like, with another knee injury in the main event by Judgment Day. So maybe Judgment Day now focuses their attack and their sights are set on Matt Riddle. I have no idea. So I like the fact that they kind of fused Judgment Day into Rollins and Riddle, and R- Rollins and Riddle still have this, this thing going on. It was a nice mix of a little bit of everything here. So... Triple H obviously trying to formulate stories and advance and think ahead, which I have no problem with. If this was Vince McMahon, we probably wouldn't have got a tenth of the fucking story being told here, and we would have moved on to the next segment as if nothing ever happened. So I can appreciate that Triple H is at least trying to advance several things at the same time and fuse feuds together all leading up to the same place anyway. I like it. I think it's great. More of that, please. Sarah Schreiber. She was backstage after the first match between Riddle and Balor, interviewing Bailey, Dakota Kai, and Io Sky. Bailey was all worked up over her girls not winning the tag team championship. She blamed Sky for pinning the wrong competitor, because she didn't have experience in tag team match. Or not uh, not Sky. She blamed uh, Aaliyah for, for pinning the wrong fucking competitor in the match. Because she pinned Dakota Kai, I believe. She blamed Aaliyah for pinning the wrong competitor because she's basically inexperienced. She sucks. Aaliyah is no good. Kai then tried to calm Bailey by saying they'll make things right tonight. Don't worry, we'll fix the mistake. Sky said this is their division. Schreiber asked Bailey about being the first to go pin Belair in almost a year. Bailey said they're done, and then they left the interview. So basically, they were setting up the women's tag team title match coming up a little bit later, while also keeping you fresh in the mind about Bailey and Bianca Belair more than likely at Extreme Rules. Dominic Mysterio. This was Dominic's first promo. As a heel. A heel character in WWE is now dominant. So we got this video. He's sitting in this darkened room. His Dominic Mysterio, all spooky and eerie. Dominic said he's always been known as Rey Mysterio's son. He said at Clash of the Castle, that changed. He said for the first time in his life, he felt alive. He said he'd become his own person. He says he was done talking And he's done taking the disrespect and bottling it inside. He said Edge got what he deserved. He said he knows his dad is disappointed, but he should look in the mirror and explain why he never asked what he wanted for his career. 
For such a tiny, tiny man, you cast a large shadow. And I'm done living under that shadow. All of a sudden, Rhea Ripley comes in, puts her hand over his ear and starts whispering something to him. Poppy, where are we going for dinner tonight? Poppy, which outfit am I wearing back at the hotel this evening? I don't know. I don't know. Poppy, do you want me to get the whips and chains out tonight? I don't, I don't know. I don't know what she whispered in his ear. You let me know. You let me know. So she whispered something in his ear. He then said, I'm not your baby boy anymore. I'm a man. So, I mean, you could interpret that any way you want, but WWE is throwing up fucking layups there, pretty much insinuating that Rhea Ripley is making Dominic into a man. Use your imagination. Get your mind out of the gutter. I don't know. I like it. I like the on-screen chemistry of Dominic and Rhea Ripley, and she's selling it. She's awesome. This is exactly what we wanted out of Rhea Ripley for so fucking long. They did so much damage to Rhea Ripley, and she's finally, and it's working. She's fast-tracking herself, and he's quickly wiping all that stuff away. The stuff with Charlotte and the terrible feud she had with Charlotte and the inconsistencies in her matches and just the fucking shit babyface role that Vince had her play smiling. I mean, give me a break. Give me a fucking break. I guarantee you, if you look at Rhea Ripley's fucking Spotify playlist, it's anything but smiling. Yet Vince McMahon had her out there fucking smiling and waving. This is great. And she's owning her character in the Judgment Day. That's exactly what you want to see. And the Judgment Day is growing and getting popular because they're allowed to be themselves and own the character instead of being micromanaged and fucking scrutinized at every twist and turn. It's a beautiful thing. So when you ask me, well, J.D., I don't really sense the change in Triple H. That's the change. Just look at Rhea Ripley. It's one of the many things that have changed. Look at Finn Balor. Look at Damian Priest. Another couple of guys that have changed drastically under Triple H. Change. Judgment Day feels a lot better under Triple H than they did Vince McMahon. We got Austin Theory. He was backstage earlier in the day. Austin Theory revealed that Johnny Gargano's Raw in-ring debut would be against Chad Gable. Thank you! Shush! Chad Gable. Outside of Kevin Owens, Chad Gable is my favorite part of Monday Night Raw. He is fucking brilliant. And Chad Gable deserves a lot better. A lot better. Theory said Johnny Wrestling after tonight. Actually, no. Uh, uh, Gable said Johnny Wrestling after tonight. The only thing anyone is going to know you as after tonight is Johnny Shush. I laughed my ass off. I don't know why I found that so funny, but I legitimately laughed my ass off. Aaliyah. Aaliyah and her tag team partner, Raquel. <laughs> Rodriguez Gonzalez. You know, the tag team champions in WWE. They defended those titles tonight against EO Sky 
and Dakota Kai. This match was not all that good at all. Women's tag team wrestling in WWE is not really lighting the world on fire. The best way for me to put it. Now, Raquel is getting better, and I can appreciate Raquel. And EO is getting, you know, used to the main roster, and she's getting those nerves out of her system, and she's always been great. She's great. Dakota Kai's great. Bailey's great. Everybody's great. Everybody but Aaliyah. Everybody but Aaliyah. So we go into the match. We get right into a commercial break, and Aaliyah's being beat down. Aaliyah tagged, uh, Aaliyah tagged Rock, uh, Rodriguez, I guess, into the match. And she launched Kai into Sky. Aaliyah was getting worked over before Rodriguez got in there. Rodriguez hit Kai with a splash and a big boot. Sky broke up Aaliyah's cover. Sky tried her and Karana, but Rodriguez blocked and sent both of them over the top rope. Aaliyah put Sky, uh, not Sky. Uh, Aaliyah put Kai in a schoolboy and got a near fall. Aaliyah went for a face buster, but Bailey put Kai's leg on the bottom rope to break up the pinfall. So Rodriguez started to blame Bailey. Did you put her foot on the rope? Did you touch her? Did you touch her? Rodriguez chased Bailey around the ring, but EO wiped her out off the top rope to the outside with a moonsault which Rodriguez took a nasty knee right to the face from. Kive then gave Aaliyah her chiropractor, which is a flipping code breaker. And Aaliyah ridiculously sold this thing. She looked like an amateur out there selling this thing. So after Dakota Kai gave Aaliyah the chiropractor, that was it. One, two, three, and damage control are your new women's tag team champions. Honestly, you want to look back at Triple H taking over seven weeks ago. He's got a couple of L's on there. He's got a couple of L's on his resume already. He's got mostly W's. He's got mostly green check marks. He's got mostly passing grades. But if you want to look at the F's, the L's that Triple H has, one of them would absolutely be bringing back the women's tag team titles. There was a lot of clunkiness in this thing. There was Aaliyah. Nobody really seemed to care about this match. I think Rodriguez and Aaliyah did absolutely nothing for that entire women's division. You know, this women's tournament, honestly, this women's tournament was supposed to be a statement. Hey, I'm in charge now. Yes, Sasha and Naomi dropped these tag team titles on the desk. But they rightfully dropped the titles on the desk because the women's division wasn't really being treated serious. The tag team division has been treated like a joke. So I'm here to change that. You know, Triple H saw what Vince McMahon did with the tag team titles. And I don't really think, and I love Paul Levesque. I think he's doing a great job. But I don't honestly think, as far as the tag team titles are concerned, he's doing a good job. Now, he's trying, and he's giving opportunity, but those that are getting the opportunities aren't really living up to all of what needs to be. Aaliyah is not tag team championship material. 
Aaliyah sounds like and looks like she should still be in the fucking performance center. And if you really want to uncover what's going on there, she's been with the WWE for seven years. And I don't see any fucking growth or progress in Aaliyah. So why is she on my show? Rodriguez is getting better. Rodriguez, though she's smiley, and I feel like she's better off for a fucking Aquafresh ad than a goddamn pro wrestler, she's getting better. She's a lot better than what she was in NXT. EO and Dakota, great. I love both ladies. I think they're fantastic. But outside of EO and Dakota and damage control with Bayley, what do we have in the women's tag team division that you needed an entire tournament? Why did you need an entire tournament for these titles? I don't get it. The in-ring action sucks. There's no fucking tag team division. The matches are boring and they're fucking sloppy. Why are we here? Why? And I don't really understand all the backlash that I got two weeks ago, three weeks ago, when Baron Corbin wanted to wake up at 8 o'clock in the morning and mention my fucking name on social media. I was still sound asleep. I had texts waking me up. Did you see what Baron Corbin said about you? No, let me wipe the eye shit from my fucking eyeballs. Let me go have a sip of my fucking coffee first before you tell me which pro wrestler hates me today for no reason. Everybody in the community thought the same thing that I did on that Monday three weeks ago. Why? Why? Looking back at it now, did it make sense? I'd love for any of the fucking shills out there. I'd love for any of the fucking... (laughs) Fucking geeks out there to explain to me why... Aaliyah and Raquel needed the titles. Did it do anything for the tag team division? Did it do anything for the tournament? Are they moreover now? Are they moreover now compared to what they were three weeks ago? Sounds like to me, looks like to me, you were all counterproductive. The community are a bunch of fucking clueless buffoons. You live in the moment. You're happy about something happening, and it never made any fucking sense. Here I am telling you all the winners of tonight's match should have been the winners of three weeks ago. And we would have never had this fucking match, and we didn't need to get this match again tonight for a second time. It was fucking, it was dreadful the first time I saw it. I have to be fucking sitting here on another Monday watching these two ladies win the fucking tag team titles when they should have won it three weeks ago. If any of you can come up with a logical reason as to why this match needed to happen, again, I'll give you a free beverage. Give me a fucking break. Shit sucks. The tag team division sucks. It's a waste. It's a waste. Now what do we do with EO? Now, my question is, what do we do with EO and Dakota as tag team champions? They're actually on two professional wrestlers. Great. Who are they going to defend the titles against? You got... No tag teams. Zero. And don't tell me Nikki, uh... (sighs) Fuck, man, what is her name? I don't know. I, I, I don't know, man. Listen, I don't dwell in mediocrity. What is her name? Ash Trash. That's a trash, all right. T-R-A-S-H, I got it. Yeah, well, Nikki Trash... 
and Doe Drop, and you're doing a fucking storyline about breaking them up. Who's going to win the tag team title? Who's going to feud with Eo and Dakota? Please. I'd love for somebody to tell me. Who's going to feud with Eo and Dakota? Sasha, Naomi, right? Great. So we got two teams, two teams feuding over the tag team titles. What happens after that? How long do you think that's going to last? This division sucks. This division sucks. I would love to come into possession of the tag team titles, and I'd love to fucking tie them to the back of the Mustang and drive around my neighborhood as they're lit on fucking fire. Give me a fucking break. Dana and Natty. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, man. Dana's not even qualified to set paper fucking plates plates and plastic utensils down in catering, man. You want her to win tag team championship goal. (laughs) Oh, man. Whoever said that in the chat, man? You're a fucking comedian, man. You're You're a real fucking comedian. Give me a fucking break. Ridiculous. Alexa and Asuka. Give me a break. They're not a tag team. They're two singles wrestlers. God. Sucks. Rey Mysterio. He's backstage. Dominic is preparing himself mentally. Because Rhea Ripley told him something and he just can't get it off his mind. Ray approached Dominic backstage and said, he has no idea he was holding all of this anger inside. He said he'd go back and change everything if he could. He said they can still fix everything and he doesn't need to face Edge later. He said they should be a family again. Ray begged him and was disappointed Dominic ignored him and wouldn't even look at him. Ray said Edge feels backed into a corner, and he won't hold back. He said if he faces Edge, things will never go back to how they were. He's that dangerous. Ripley walked in, put her hand on Dominic's shoulder. She said Dom isn't his little boy anymore, and he's all man now. Oh, really? He's all man now. I'd love to know what you're doing with him there, Rhea. I'm sure the general public would love to know as well. Chad Gable, he made his entrance in Portland against Johnny Gargano. You're not going to hear a peep out of me because we got this match and this was great. Probably the best thing of the entire night, match-wise. This was really good. Chad Gable is awesome. Chad Gable, like I said, outside of Kevin Owens is easily my Second favorite thing on Monday night. I, I, I honestly think Chad Gable is, is brilliant. He really is, man. He is, not only is he getting TV time, which is great. Otis is getting TV time. I think Alpha Academy is, is fantastic. He is just so fucking good at what he does. In ring, owning the character, his comedic timing. He doesn't realize how funny he is when he does the whole thank you and shush thing, you know? He's great. The thing with Chad Gable is, I have no problem with him wrestling Johnny Gargano. But you know, going into this, that 
he's basically, basically going to be fed to Johnny Gargano. And Chad Gable is going to be on the receiving end of another L. After what we saw the last two shows, the last week, happened twice to him. Monday Night Raw, Braun Strowman fucking trained his way through the tag team, the entire tag team division, not just the tag team division, the entire tag team division on Monday Night Raw. And then Friday, he destroyed both Otis and Chad Gable on SmackDown. Now, I said this on Friday. Chad Gable is beneath that. Chad Gable should be in there against somebody like Johnny Gargano wrestling his balls off. But Chad Gable is beneath being buried by Braun Strowman, right? When is Chad Gable going to get what he deserves? Constantly gets thrown out there and asks, you know, and is asked to put others over. Go out there and put this guy over. Go out there and make this guy look good. Go out there and take another L. When is Chad Gable going to get a run at something? When is the Alpha Academy going to be treated like a legit fucking dominating tag team that I know they can be? It's not fair. It's not fair. The more we see, the more frustrated the fans are going to get. Because Gable and his work shows. And when somebody is that good, then the fan base is going to start venting their frustrations. What about this guy? Why isn't he better off than where he is right now? But a match with Johnny Gargano, I can't really complain about. I just wish that they put him in a better situation. The one thing, the one bright spot I will say about this, though, is that Chad Gable out there against Johnny Gargano, you know, that's a good spot for him to be in because Johnny Gargano is one of Triple H's favorites. So the fact that Triple H put Chad Gable in there against somebody like Johnny Gargano really goes to show you what Triple H thinks of Chad Gable and knows the type of match, because he knows how great Johnny is, the type of match that Chad Gable is going to bring out of Johnny Gargano and vice versa. So that's a good spot. Trying to think of the positives of why that's a good spot. That's a good spot for Chad Gable to be in. But let's be real, man. He deserves a lot better. Johnny Gargano looked great. He looked absolutely ring ready. No ring rust at all. He probably ended up telling you otherwise. They did some quick chain wrestling early on. Looked really good. Gable dropped Gargano with a right hand. Gargano came back with a dive off the apron. Gable was in control after a break. Gargano made a comeback. Hit this great-looking slingshot spear for a two. Gable followed up with a big DDT for another two count and a bridging German suplex. Beautiful for a two count. Gargano applied the Gargano escape, but Gable countered into an ankle lock. Gable fought out, and then they exchanged strikes until Gargano dropped Gable with the clothesline. Gable was sent to the outside. He fell into the arms of Otis. Gargano hit them with a dive, which sent Otis into the announce desk. Gargano hit Gable with the one final beat for the one, two, three. And that was pretty much it. Otis, after the match, tried to attack, but Gargano hit him with two super kicks. Otis was still on his feet, so Gargano did a crotch chop before rolling out of the ring. Gargano backed up the ramp. He was about to escape, and then all of a sudden... In a very Tommaso Ciampa NXT-like way, Austin Theory came from behind and attacked Johnny Gargano with the briefcase right to the back. Awesome match. Really nice setup there for Theory. Theory's got to get through Kevin Owens, and obviously he's feuding with Owens. He's still got his gripes with Johnny Gargano. I like the fact, and this is another change. I said this earlier in the show, 
We're seeing multiple feuds take place at the same time. How great is that? When did you ever see Vince McMahon do that? Never. I love the fact that Austin Theory is feuding with KO, having a match with KO next week, obviously as in a feud with Johnny Gargano. It's great. It's absolutely great. Change. It's exactly what we wanted. Excellent match. I just hope for a better position for Chad Gable and Otis. They're awesome. Austin Theory, he remained by ringside after he attacked Johnny Gargano, and he was in the ring. He asked the fans if they felt ruined by Johnny Gargano's big Raw debut. Did you guys feel disappointed? He complained about being what-chanted. Kevin Owens all of a sudden comes out. Theory cut off KO right away and said he's sick of idiots like KO, sick of idiots like Gargano, sick of idiots like Tyson Fury interrupting his moments. He said he's the future and the youngest Mr. Money in the Bank in history, and he plans to take over the industry. KO said, bro, you said this all last week, but you were having issues with your jaw. I'm glad to see that you got that taken care of. He said they've heard him talk about himself like that for months. He said last week he looked him in the eyes and said he was the hand-picked future. He said that might have been true a while ago, but it's not the way it works around here anymore. He said guys like him and guys like Johnny Gargano don't look like him. Theory interrupted and said it's true. He and none of the fans look like him or as good as he does. He says he knows why they're jealous. He says he's done more in the past five months than he and Gargano have done in the last five years. KO said statements like that can go to show just how big of a delusional jackass you really are. KO said there are a lot of wrestlers who look like Austin Theory, but they most often end up as footnotes. He gave this really emphatic speech about people like him and Gargano and how they're special because they succeed despite not being handpicked guys like Theory was. Theory held his ground and said he was better than KO. KO said if he can't get through to him with words, he'd slap it out of him. And he, he did exactly that. He slapped Austin Theory right in the face. He attacked Austin Theory. They battled in the ring. They brawled in the ring. There were several WWE officials that came out there. It looked like one of Kevin Owens' shots to the face got Austin Theory right in the nose. He ended up bleeding. He bailed to the outside, and Theory had this bloody nose, and KO looked at him over the ropes while the referees and officials were holding him back. He said, a broken nose is just the beginning, bitch. I thought this was great. I thought this was great. He basically told... Austin Theory that, yeah, we don't look like you. Kevin Owens and Johnny Gargano don't look like Austin Theory, but what's going to get the job done is you getting out in that ring and leaving everything that you have in this ring in front of those people every single night. That's what's going to make you the face of WWE. This was an incredible promo. An incredible promo. I don't know if this had anything to do with it. I, I know, you know, you, you heard all the CM Punk news and all the AEW drama with the Punk and Elite shit. And during that media scrum, Kevin Owens comically put up a tweet with him and Steve Austin at WrestleMania in the main event because obviously Punk never got that with Stone Cold Steve Austin. 
Whatever they have issues with and whatever their issues are, I, I, don't, I don't know. But I felt like this was, I want to say a mission statement by Kevin Owens. You know, we may, you know, I, I've talked about statements by Triple H statements that Triple H has made, taking over creative for Monday Night Raw and SmackDown. You've seen the statements that Triple H has blatantly put out there to the old administration about how he's doing things and this is the right way to do this. I feel like this was a statement by Kevin Owens. I feel like basically what he said is Triple H's mentality. Guys like Kevin Owens, guys like Johnny Gargano are going to be at the forefront of this administration while guys like Austin Theory were handpicked guys by Vince McMahon and that's what he looks for. Basically, all body, no brains, all look, and barely any in-ring skill. So the way things are being done is basically Kevin Owens went out there and gave you a glimpse as to what Triple H's mentality and mindset is. I can't really blame him for that because he was on top of the world with this mentality in NXT, and he's adopting that now on the main roster. Great. A guy like Kevin Owens should be in the main event. A guy like Johnny Gargano should be in the main event and get opportunities to show how good they are. It was a mission statement by Kevin Owens. It sounded great. It was a great brawl between he and Austin Theory, but it was just more than what you saw on television. It was definitely a statement by Kevin Owens. And I wonder how much of that was residual anger from what he went through in WWE being held back and not really be giving opportunities. How much of that also had a lot to do with CM Punk? and the ego that CM Punk had, and the leadership that CM Punk failed to show. You know, I wonder if it had inklings of something to do with that as well. After all the fucking nonsense that we've seen and heard come out of the AEW locker room, Kevin Owens on Monday Night Raw talking about how to make it in WWE and what you should do and what you should be to the locker room and in front of those fans. I wonder if it had any CM Punk symbolism. Or maybe it's just me. I don't know. At the end of the day, this was a great promo. I thought this was fantastic. Moving on. I don't know why they're hyping up NXT 2.0. They're celebrating the one-year anniversary of NXT 2.0 tomorrow. Are we sure that is something you want to legitimately celebrate? I don't want no birthday cake. I don't want no fucking candles to be blown out. I don't want to celebrate the one-year anniversary of the death of NXT. Give me a break. Bianca Belair. She made her way to the ring. She had an open challenge tonight. So, she's in there, and she's wondering who's going to come out. All of a sudden, Sonya Deville comes out and accepts the challenge. Pretty boring, pretty lame, but... I guess it gives Bianca Belair some one-on-one action before she gets her match with Bailey. So Sonya Deville is out there. She blamed Belair for costing her her executive position within WWE, her executive position in WWE. Belair interrupted and said, tonight is an open challenge, not an open mic. Let's do this tonight. So that's that. So we got a one-on-one match with Bianca Belair and Sonya Deville. Not bad. I mean, it was just there. It went about 12 minutes. Championship was on the line. 
and it was a decent little match, but nothing that you're going to go back and rewatch or talk about at the water cooler tomorrow at work. It was just a title match, something to fill 10 minutes of TV time. So DeVille was in control. She dodged the moonsault, hit a running knee for two. Belair started to come back. She hits a very sloppy-looking spine buster on Sonya DeVille. DeVille hit a knee strike, which also looked sloppy. The ladies did not have a good night tonight. They did not have a good night at all. Looked like a, a knee strike or a drop kick of some sorts off the middle rope for a two on Belair. Belair hit the KOD, one, two, three, and that is it. That is it. No doubt about it. Bianca Belair was not losing to Sony Deville on Monday Night Raw. Bailey walks down the aisle. She said, Damage Control is basically in charge. She asked if she was inspired by Dakota and EO winning the titles earlier. She said Belair could learn a thing or two from Damage Control because they did exactly what they said they were going to do, and that was win the women's tag team titles. Bailey said, she said they were going to take control of the whole division, and tonight was just the beginning. She asked Belair if it made her feel better to win tonight. She said it fed her big, fat ego. There's that word again, ego. Big, fat ego. Everybody's got a fucking ego on Monday Night Raw now. She said they should be truthful to all their fans. She said she knows she won't be able to sleep at night until she has her match against her. She said she should be embarrassed that she was able to be pinned by her after she hasn't wrestled in over a year. Bailey then kind of was working up Belair and told Belair to relax because she'll get her match when the time is right. Belair then placed the title on the mat and asked Bailey to come into the ring. She was surrounded by EO and Dakota, and Belair turned around and they were closing in her on her like a pack of hyenas, and Belair attacked EO. All of a sudden, it's a three-on-one. They swarmed her three-on-one, and out comes Alexa Bliss and Asuka. No theme music. This was one of my gripes with the old administration. Oh, my God, cue the theme music. Here comes the baby faces to save the day. No, Alexa Bliss and Asuka ran out there with no theme music. I love it. I don't know if that was a one-time thing or if that was just somebody forgetting to hit the button backstage of production. I enjoy that. I think that's great. You just hear the ovation of the crowd. Oh, it's Oscar. Oh, it's Alexa Bliss. And then you get the ovation from the crowd. Great. Love it. So they saved the day, and the heels retreated as the baby faces kept them at bay. Whatever. Not really much to this. It just set up Bailey and uh, Bianca Belair for the Raw Women's Championship, more than likely, at Extreme Rules which I'm excited for. I think that's going to be a great match. Moving on. They showed Omos backstage. Yes, Omos is back on television. Why? I have no idea. With MVP. Omos went one-on-one with Cash Morazzi and Ryan Toombs. More squash matches by Omos. Great. I see the plans are very fruitful for the mighty. The mighty oh. <laughs> Omos, back on television. Why? Why is Omos on television? This is the best we got. 
Now, I want to I want to find the positive in this. I want to find the positive in this. One of the positives here is that Braun Strowman and Omas are on separate brands. Imagine they were on the same brand. Oh my God, that would be Vince McMahon's wet dream. Now, the negative, which is mostly negative here. Survivor Series is coming up. Don't you think that WWE with the Raw versus SmackDown theme is potentially going to set up a big Survivor Series match with Omos and Braun Strowman on opposite teams? I'm sure that's getting your fucking, uh, that's getting your panties wet. Uh, it's getting your fucking uh, mind running, your mind racing, man. It's, it's blistering with excitement. I can see it already, man. I can see it all over your faces. It's going to be great. It's going to be great, man. This shit sucks. This shit sucks. Okay? That's one of my worries right there. Throwing that out there. The other worry that I have, the other worry that I have, and I don't know why I was thinking about this. I'm going to throw this out into the universe, and I want to see if it comes to fruition. You know, we got Crown Jewel coming up. We got Crown Jewel coming up. And normally when we start hovering around Crown Jewel, that's when the sound of money begins to go off in the Bill Goldberg household. The thoughts of the green, the almighty dollar, become very prevalent in the Bill Goldberg household. They're going to need big names for this show. Because right now, there really isn't any big name. You're not going to get a Stone Cold Steve Austin wrestling on the show. Dwayne is not going to come back for a show like this. You know, you don't really have anybody else. Lesnar, maybe. I don't know what the fuck they're going to have Lesnar do. They'll probably trot out Veer Mahan, you know, for his token Saudi match, right? They don't use him at all on television, but that crown jewel will, will roll out Veer Mahan, right? Roll him out. I have this fucking dreadful feeling that we are going to get Omos versus Bill Goldberg. I don't know why. Don't ask me how I came to this conclusion, but I have a feeling that we're going to get Bill Goldberg versus the mighty Omos, the Nigerian giant. Please, for the love of God, Paul, I'm begging you, please, no. Please, just throwing that out there. I'm begging you, no. Nobody wants it. Nobody cares for it. Nobody wants to see it. Nobody's dreaming of Omos versus Bill Goldberg. This is not a dream match. This is not a marquee match. This is not a match that people are going to go pay Peacock $4.99 to go watch. The low, low price of fucking $4.99. I piss on this fucking match. No. Please, no. For the love of God, no. Now, what I would do, as far as Brock Lesnar or Goldberg, Goldberg, I don't even have on the show. I would give us another Bobby Lashley versus Brock Lesnar match at Crown Jewel. Who wins that match? I don't know. Lesnar doesn't need wins anymore. Have Lashley put over... Cemented United States Championship title reign. There you go. Outside that, who does Roman Reigns face? I have no, I have no idea. 
It could be Braun Strowman. It could be Kevin Owens. It could be Seth Rollins. I, I have no idea. I don't know. Only time will tell. Who won this match? It certainly wasn't Ryan Toombs and Cash Morazzi. Omas with a choke slam, and that was it. Exhilarating content here by the mighty Nigerian Omas. Great. Edge was pacing backstage. Ray walked in, begged him from one father to another to understand how affected he is by everything. Edge says he understands how protective he is over Dominic, but he thinks he understands that it must happen. He said sometimes someone needs some sense knocked into them, and deep down, he knows it's better it's him than someone else. Ray looked stressed. He didn't want this to happen. Edge said, Ray, I love you, but fuck off, bro. I'm going to beat the fucking sense into your son. Kevin Patrick... He interviewed Seth Rollins backstage. He asked about what he was going to say earlier before Riddle interrupted him. Seth said, no, 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 no. The moment has passed. He asked how many times he has to stomp Riddle's head before he'll understand he's the face of Monday Night Raw. In walks Bobby Lashley, who thought that Seth Rollins saying he was the face of Monday Night Raw was ridiculous. Lashley said, he who has the gold is the face of Monday Night Raw. Well, To be fair, Lashley, you you don't have the gold. You have a gold. You don't have the gold, though. So I don't know why you think you're any more of the man on Monday night when you aren't really the world champion. Yeah, you have the United States title. They put some spotlight on the United States title, but that doesn't make you the man and you the champion. So... Lashley said he who has the gold is the face of Monday Night Raw. Seth told Lashley that MMA guys, you know, you MMA guys are all alike. He said he has no brain cells left in his head. He said the United States title isn't even the title I was talking about earlier. But you know what? I will gladly take that title off of your shoulder. So he challenged him to a match next week for the title and said they can find out who the face of Monday Night Raw really is. Lashley accepted the challenge. And Seth got in his face, and he looked a little nervous about it. Because Lashley did not at all back away. Should be a decent match, but I don't really... I don't know why we're taking the title of Bobby Lashley. Is there a title change next week? Are we giving Seth Rollins a token title reign because WWE refuses to take one of the titles off of Roman Reigns or both of the titles off Roman Reigns? I said this before. Seth Rollins deserves something for the hard work he's done. Seth Rollins has been one of the most selfless acts in all of WWE. And for that, he should be rewarded. Will he be rewarded next week with the United States Championship? I don't know. We will find out next week on Monday Night Raw. The Miz. This was, no pun intended, awesome. This was great. We go to a segment where The Miz is in his living room. He's sitting in the living room by the fireplace. There's this big golden harp behind him. He's got a grand piano behind him. Miss told the interviewer off camera that this is the interview of a lifetime. He said this is the place where he feels safest. Obviously, his home. His daughters ran up to him. They hugged him. They played the piano. Miz walked up to the Miz and asked, 
honey, are you done yet? Miz is like, no, I didn't even get started yet. We haven't even started yet. Miz says, I haven't started. He then told the interviewer, listen, we got five minutes. I got a premiere to go to. He's telling his wife over and over again how gorgeous and beautiful she looks. She looks stunning, as she usually does. Maurice says they have a big premiere to go to. Miz asked if they are safe leaving with everything going on. Maurice said, yes. Yes, we have gated security. We have security guards. We have a home alarm system. More security guards. What do you want? He's not going to be here. He's not going to show up. He meaning Dexter Loomis. They kissed. The interviewer brought up Dexter Loomis's name. Miz says, please don't say his name in my house. Ms. Den took over the conversation because whoever was talking here was a complete nimrod. He said, WWE ordered double security guards in the arena, but that lunatic still found his way into the arena to do what he did. And then the interviewer asked, what all of us want to know, what exactly did he do to you? He doesn't want to talk about it. He doesn't want to talk about it. He took off his mic said the interview was over, we had to go. Ms. and Maurice left out the front door. Ms. told the camera guy that the guards would show you the way out. You better be gone when I get back. He puts Maurice in the front seat of the car. He goes around the other side, the driver's side. He gets in, they drive away. All of a sudden, you see this big, uh, this big huge cement block, Manor Mar Miz in the back. And then all of a sudden, the camera pans over to the window of the house, and Dexter Loomis is inside the house, looking out the window at the camera guy. He's filming all of it, and then he has a picture of a hand-drawn picture, which Dexter Loomis is a very good hand artist, uh, uh, an artist. He, He draws all these things by hand. He's got a painting or picture of Ms. Maurice and their two kids, That says Ms. and Mrs. And that's the way the segment went off the air. He just stood there staring blankly with this empty look on his face as he looked into the window. And that's the way the segment came to a close. I thought this was awesome. I really wish WWE would do more stuff like this. It felt different. I like the fact that they were away and a segment took place in his home. I think this is great. When WWE is presented with more opportunities to do segments like this away from, you know, the backstage or in the ring or in the arena, it's great. It adds a fresh feel to the feud. I'm enjoying this feud. I'm enjoying whatever's going on here. I got more questions than answers, but that's the way Triple H operates. I'm enjoying it for what we're getting right now. I I think Dexter Loomis is awesome. I think The Miz is playing nicely with Dexter Loomis here. They're feeding off each other very well. But my question is, how long is it going to take for them to give us just a little inkling, a little iota of what Dexter Loomis did to the Miz? This is what we need to know. Give us something. They've given us nothing. This has been weeks now. Weeks And no explanation at all about why Dexter Loomis is targeting The Miz, what Dexter Loomis did to The Miz when he abducted The Miz, how is Dexter Loomis getting into the fucking building, is he working with anybody? There's so many questions. How long are we going to have to wait to get just a sliver of an answer? 
Honestly, I think this thing is being dragged out. I don't know what's going on. But I'm excited about it. I'm interested in it. I just wish they gave us something instead of these skits every week that, yes, are entertaining and great, but they don't really reveal anything. It's the same thing in just a different location every fucking week. Corey Graves was great after this segment was over, calling for somebody to contact the police. Why am I the only one who sees this is not okay? And Jimmy Smith kind of played it off. He's like, yeah, whatever. I thought that was funny. The announcers, they announced Theory and Owens will lead to a match next week on Monday Night Raw on top of Bobby Lashley and Seth Rollins in the main event for the United States Championship. I love the way Triple H is setting up the show next week with matches to get you excited about next week's show. This is exactly what he needs to do during Monday Night Football season. We are now in the main event. It is Dominic Mysterio against Edge. Dominic is in the main event with Edge. Lucky him. He wouldn't have a main event any other way. Edge brutalized Dominic early on. He came out. It was like a remix of his father's theme with like some Mexican rapping over it. It fit his new image and it fit his new heel gimmick. So I don't really mind it. Dominic tried a counter, so Edge just booted him in the face. He did a kip-up. Edge dropped him with a clothesline. Ripley started giving Dominic a pep talk on the outside. It didn't work because Edge started tossing him around ringside. He was just absolutely destroying Dominic all around the ring. Dominic tried pleading with Uncle Adam, they called him, Uncle Edge. Edge kicked him in the face. Crowd was chanting for more punishment on Dominic. Referee went to go check on Dominic. And Ripley tripped Edge off the apron. Dominic finally found an opening to attack, and he went after his leg. Dominic worked over Edge's leg, and they did uh, the three amigos spot with Dominic doing the three amigos. He went for a frog splash, but Edge kicked him off the top rope. Edge then wanted a superplex up top. Ripley held Dom's leg to block it, which the referee did not see. Dominic shoved Edge off the ropes, hit the frog splash for a two. Dominic then on the mat, He wanted to go for a figure four, but Edge kicked him into the ring post, and he laid there in between the turnbuckle. Edge then hits a flapjack, clothesline. He hits the Edge-O-Matic for a two. Edge hit the Impaler DDT before going for a spear, but Dominic rolled through into a single-leg crab. Edge countered into a roll-up from the crab for a two-count. Edge then trapped Dominic's arms in the ropes, tied him up, And he started giving him closed fists, not really adhering to the referee's 10 count, or five count, rather. So referee pulled him away. He went right back at it, shoved the referee some more. Edge was about to go for a spear, but Dom is still trapped in the ropes, and Ray jumped into the ring to get involved and put his hands up, telling Uncle Adam to stop beating up his son. Edge and Ray argued. Edge pushed Ray to the side. Priest then yanked Ray out of the ring, threw Ray Mysterio over the fucking announce desk. He legitimately landed right in Jimmy Smith's face. Priest yanked Ray, threw him by the announce desk. Balor comes in, attacked Edge with a DDT, um, or actually for the DQ. Um, Ripley hit Edge's leg from behind with a chair. Dominic repeatedly hit 
Edge with a steel chair over the knee, and then they put Edge's leg on top of a steel chair, set the steel chair up, put his leg on top of the steel chair, and Balor came off the top rope with a coup de grace right on the leg. Balor let Edge know that Judgment Day was in charge. Crowd was chanting, you suck, you suck. And Judgment Day ended Monday Night Raw posing over Edge's lifeless body. I thought it was a good show. I thought it was a very entertaining show. I don't really have any fault with the show outside of Omos and the ladies tonight. They didn't really have a good night. But I think Triple H, as we get going with the Monday Night Football season, you could see how Triple H is going to be taking care of these shows and how he's going to be working these shows. You're going to get a glimpse into next week. He's going to book in advance. He's going to give you stuff on the show to really get you interested and kind of bleed into that third hour. So he's going to definitely try. The ratings aren't going to be over a two like it's been. SmackDown drew a 2.3 rating. SmackDown. SmackDown was doing 1819 in the Vince McMahon administration. We're up to 2.3 now. Monday Night Raw has been doing 2-1-2-2 ratings. They're not going to be that on Monday night, but if we can, you know, continue doing what we're doing and uh, book the show for next week and continue to give us engaging storylines and great in-ring action like he has been, a solid 1-9 during the NFL season, that'll keep WWE's momentum on Monday night. I'm just glad to see that Triple H isn't really going to roll over and die like Vince McMahon would have during the Monday Night Football season. But I thought tonight was a good show. Guys, I appreciate you all very much for stopping by tonight. We are going to go over the Super Chats in just a little bit. But I want to check on you guys first. We had 2,700 people, 2,700 plus tonight. I know it was a dead Monday Night Raw, but... I appreciate you guys hanging out with me as we begin a brand new week of content. 1,100 likes. You guys hit the goal. You guys achieved the minimum. Now the minimum is 1,250. Can we get to 1,250 likes on tonight's live stream? Super chats are open. Get them on in. Memberships are always open, man. Get those applications in for the VIP club. Hit that join button down below. Become a VIP. It's last call, guys. Last call at the bar. And tonight's show is sponsored by Manscaped. Football season is back, baby. We're back to seeing Mahomes sling beautiful balls all over the field. And your friends at Manscaped are here to help you sling your beautiful balls all season long. With Manscaped's state-of-the-art tech, We'll have your weapon looking more loaded than the AFC West. Football may be rough, but your ball care doesn't have to be with Manscaped. Six million men worldwide trust Manscaped. And you guys can get 20% off and free shipping with code SCRIPT20 at checkout at manscaped.com. Let's look at the Manscaped starting lineup, folks. At quarterback, the lawnmower 4.0 trimmer. At running back, the Weed Whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer. On the offensive line, we have our unsung heroes. The Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner. At wideout, 
the cleanest duo in the league, the Ultra Premium Body Wash and Ultra Premium 2-in-1 Shampoo and Conditioner. At tight end, the product that makes your, your end look tight, the Manscaped Anti-Chafing Boxer Briefs. On defense, there's only one you need, man, and that is the Aluminum-Free Ultra Premium Deodorant. And to top it all off, the best coach in the league, the Shed Travel Bag as a free bonus. Guys, this is a great starting lineup. Manscaped.com to get on with this winning team. Manscaped.com, script 20 at checkout. 20% off and free shipping. And use Manscaped, man. You'll end up being the MVP of your league. Believe me. Let's start at the top, guys, with the Super Chats. Seems like it's a slow night for Super Chats. It's fine by me. The quicker I get out of here, the quicker I get on Destiny 2. Joseph Taylor with a $3 Super Chat. Favorite Triple H match. My favorite Triple H match is the 2002 SummerSlam match with Shawn Michaels. Michelle Moran with a $2 Super Chat. Owens has to be the MVP of Raw. Seth is a close second. Michelle, if you're talking about year 2022, Seth Rollins is the MVP of Monday Night Raw. Tony Brown with a $4.99 Super Chat. Yes, Sonya can get it too. Sonya is a beautiful woman. Beautiful woman is Sonya Deville. Scorpion with a $10 Super Chat. Would you rather take a chop from Gunther or an uppercut from Claudio? I'd probably take an uppercut from Claudio. Also, that coup de grace at the end to edge looked brutal. Made me cringe as I've had two ACL surgeries. It did look brutal, man. But I, I do think that Balor is one of the safest guys to be in the ring with. I think they wrote him off. And I don't know when Edge is going to come back. But he may bring some backup in the form of Beth Phoenix. Easy A with a $5 Super Chat. Which is better, this fire burns or cult of personality? You rock as always, JD. Get him out. Um, as far as CM Punk's theme, Cult of Personality. Better song, Cult of Personality. Derek Anawaii with a $1 super chat. What's up, Oos? How you doing, bro? The Golden Buckeye with a $2 super chat. That KO promo was fire. My favorite part on Raw. Absolutely. That was the best part. Best match was Johnny Gargano and Chad Gable. King Mo Jackson with a $4.99 Super Chat. Glad to be back on the live stream. Team OTS, appreciate your extras and your genuine, honest analysis of, the, of wrestling currently. Two thumbs up, bro. King Mo Jackson, shout out to you, brother. Thank you so much, man. Jason Lucas with a $4.99 Super Chat. Hashtag JD was right. Love you, bro. Thank you, Jason. Joseph Taylor with a $5 Super Chat. CM Punk is just becoming everything he hated in WWE. He's becoming the machine, but he's also becoming the biggest a-hole in the whole wrestling world. To be honest with you guys, I'm tired of talking about CM Punk, man. I'm just waiting 
for a fresh dynamite where we don't have to talk about the fucking drama. I just want things to be back to normal and I want people to be excited about the on-screen product. Christy Wilson with a 199 Super Chat. Give KO the WWE title. Eventually, he will be WWE Champion. Icy Charles with a 199 Super Chat. Kevin Owens versus John Moxley's promo. John Moxley, no doubt about it. Jaxo, 23, with a 999 Super Chat. I can't wait for Austin Theory versus KO. Did you also know that they are letting the fans pick the matches for NXT? Really? I doubt that very, very likely. The fans never really choose the matches. But whatever makes you sleep better at night, Jaxo. Will check, 199. He says... <laughs> Jaxel 23 with a 499 Super Chat. I'm getting a bad feeling that Triple H will do Omos versus Braun Strowman. God, I hope not. I hope not, man. Ricardo Linnell with a $5 super chat. Goldberg versus Omos in Saudi Arabia. Great. Then WWE can leave them there on the way back home. Hashtag we can only wish. Hashtag OTS is number one. Ricardo with a seven-month membership. Thank you for the recommitment, Ricardo. Hello, JD. Just wanted to say thank you. My girlfriend killed herself two weeks ago, and I live alone. But your videos have really helped me get through. Heart emoji. I'm very sorry to hear that, Ricardo. This is not the type of news that I really want to see on my show, but I, I, I'm sorry to hear this. Hopefully you are okay, and everybody in the OTS venue, throw up those prayer emojis for Ricardo, man. He could certainly use them. JD Baddies with a new membership. Now I have Baddies. Also with a $2 Super Chat and a $5 Super Chat, JD's Baddies. I need 15 muffins from Mindy's Bakery, minimum. I'd rather get bit by a steel than to have to sit through an Omos match. Well, I hear you there, JD's baddies. Isaac Smith with a $5 super chat. Do you think Lashley should turn heel? I personally found it more entertaining. I don't think his babyface promos are good. The fans are going to decide that, Isaac. I do think Lashley's better as a heel, though. Joseph Taylor with a $2 super chat. Who's hotter, Nikita Lyons or Dakota Kai? Nikita Lyons. Micah Medlock with the 199 Super Chat. OTS meet and greet Rumble, San Antonio, Texas. Probably not. Richard Ho. Huff. Is it Huff or Ho? $5 Super Chat. I hope Triple H does Strowman versus Omas. Just so I have to see you do the impression back and forth. Oh, God.
And Ernie Vasquez with a 499 Super Chat. Yo, JD, what if for Mania we get Roman pulling off double duty? He faces The Rock on night one and defends the championship on night two against Cody. Ernie, I don't know if you joined the stream late, but I, I legitimately talked about this earlier in the show, bro. Legitimately talked about that earlier in the show, man. You're going to have to watch the show. It's exactly what I said. Jaxo23 with a 999 Super Chat. I call the fact that Dominic was tired of being in Ray's shadow and the promo tonight confirmed it. Also, the women's tag team division is, is horrible. Also, it's in the promo for NXT OTS for life. I don't give a shit what's in the promo for NXT, bro. Fans aren't choosing shit. Huff and ho. I'm sorry if I fucked up your name, uh, Richard. We'll just call you Richard H. How about that? Anyway, guys, thank you for a great night. Thank you for 2700. Thank you for number one, I'm assuming. I mean, I don't even look anymore. I mean, who's going to be better than me? Who's going to be trending over me, man? Nobody. Um, hit that thumbs up. Go check out Manscaped, manscaped.com, code script 20. And make sure you guys... Go and check out all the other content on the channel, man. I'm getting out of here. I'm going to jump on Destiny 2 before tomorrow's reset. I need two things from you guys, man. Number one, I need those guitar emojis in the chat. Mustang emojis from my VIPs. And I need that music on max. Guys, I'm getting out of here. I'll see you tomorrow night for NXT. We celebrate one year of shit. NXT 2.0, man. Tomorrow night live on Off The Scripts. I'll see you guys later.